Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Real Talks. I'm your host, like always, Brady Carducci. And today on the show, I have the pleasure of talking with a Toronto-based entrepreneur and professional tennis player. He is a Canadian national singles champion, three-time Canadian national doubles champion, and a Canada Summer Games gold medalist. Please welcome to the show, my good friend, Rahil Manji. Rahil, how's it going, buddy? How's it going? Thanks for having me on here. Really excited to be uh, on this show. You guys do it really creative and and different so it's one i'm excited to be on for sure thank you man i know we've been talking about having you on the show for uh for a while now so it's good that we finally Mm -hmm. uh got it to make it uh to make it happen um i'm excited to sit down with you as well i mean we got a lot of good stuff to talk about obviously your your playing career for tennis we're going to talk about that um and then you know your new venture uh your new company you started not too long ago uh in mission elite so excited to dig into that um, but obviously I have to, I mean, I have to start the conversation off with this. We're living through a global pandemic right now, COVID-19. How has it been for you just personally and business wise, uh, break it down for us. Okay. So it's a, it's a great question. Um, and I'm going to lead you in with a story. Okay. So there's a okay. story I, I talk about a lot. There's an old farmer and he, you know, he takes care of his crops and, and back in the day they had these, they had these horses, horses and horses, obviously even still are really valuable. And so one day, one of the horses, you know, uh, it runs away. That's a lot of money had gone down the drain, it runs away. You never think you're going to see that horse again. So the old farmer is obviously, you know, that's really important for his business. And the neighbors come by to offer uh, their apologies. And uh, they go, we're so sorry. It's just terrible. And the farmer goes, maybe. And then two days later, uh, the horse comes back with three more wild horses. It was a stroke of luck almost looked that looked like, and the neighbors come by and go, that's amazing. Wow. Look how things <laughs> turned around. And he goes, maybe two days later, um, you know, now he's got three uh, horses, two of them wild. His 19 year old son is, is riding one of the horses gets bucked off, uh, mm. breaks his leg and neighbors come by terrible, terrible. We're so sorry. Our condolences, uh, farmer goes, maybe two days later uh the army recruits the local army recruits come by the farmer's house and go we're looking to recruit 19 year old uh uh, a 19 year old of war and we want to take him and ship him as soon as possible goes to the sun looks at the sun looks at his leg goes there's no way we can take him uh we're we're just going to leave him here at home so the neighbors go that's amazing uh you get to keep your son he doesn't have to go and, and, and fight and die in war and the farmer goes maybe and so the point is that yeah, uh, you know, everything on the surface is is can look bad, but it could be great. And everything that's great on the surface can, can also be bad. So uh, it's really how you create the opportunity out of it. And so when COVID happened, uh, I was in, in, in the middle of a I was in the semifinals of a fifteen thousand dollar tournament in India, actually. Oh, wow. and okay. uh, and my first thought is I get to get the hell out of this country, <laughs> you know, and I go. Uh, yeah. I come back home and then, you know, there was obviously, it was a great opportunity. So COVID has been great for me in some, in, in, in a lot of cases. And I don't try to focus on where it's not so great, where, where I find it, you know, to be pretty shit. I try to focus on the good within it. I like that. Yeah. I mean, even for me, I know at the beginning, like when it first happened, I, you know, yeah. like everybody, I feel like there was that element of fear, but I mean, now we're already what, like six, seven months into it. Um, yeah. I, I feel like a lot of people have adapted now. They're like, okay, you know what? Like it's not, I mean, obviously you know, it's a tragedy mm-hmm. with everyone passing away, but in terms of like day to day life, people have found ways to be like, okay, you know what? I'm not going to let this COVID virus affect me. Um, you know, maybe, uh, affect me as bad, uh, as, uh, as people were predicting 
everything it would be, right? So right. Um, just just finding ways, little things that you do to keep yourself positive. And I, and I like how, you know, that, that even that story, just, just you know, uh, a positive yeah. attitude and, and things happen for a reason, right? So absolutely, 100%. absolutely. Um, so. so I wanted to, you know, just to kind of start things off, give people a little bit of a background into who you are. Um, you know, obviously being a professional tennis player, tennis, I feel like, even since I've known you has always been a part of, you know, who you are and, and kind of what you yeah. gravitated towards. So what was it in the beginning when you were first starting out that really motivated to you or even inspired you to, you know, just pick up a tennis racket and, and start playing? Right. I think it's an interesting journey um, because, you know, I started playing the sport and I felt like I had some natural talent in the beginning. When I first started, I loved to get out there and I loved to win. And um, it was a sport where you could really, you know, take uh, the individual win uh, within it. Mm -hmm. And what happened is I, I, you know, I started around four or five years old. By the time I was eight or so, um, I started competing. And right away, I'd pretty much jumped, you know, I had four years of training before competing. When, by the time I was eight, I was probably top 20 in, in the province. Then within two years, drop uh, was, was top five in the country. And uh, by the time I was 10, that was the case. And I never really wavered from top three uh, or two in the country for my age group uh, uh, up until 18. But the problem with that was that whenever, you know, I'd, everywhere I'd go, I'd be labeled as tennis boy, you know? Mm, and, yeah, and I yeah. really, I hit it but when, I, when I was young, I really hated that. And so by the time I was 13, I was probably one of the best uh, juniors in the world for my age group. And, and I remember going to a practice after school. I mean, it was just like everything was surrounded around tennis and I went to mm -hmm. practice after school and usually I was a really fiery, you know, competitive guy at, at, even in practice. And that day I just wasn't having it. My coach goes, what's wrong with you today? And it was kind of overwhelming and, and hitting me. Like, this is, I just, there's no escape. It's like, you're choked. Right. Yeah. And so he goes like, you need to take some time and, and think some things. I, you know, immediately after the practice, I went to this bench alone and I remember just like, I was 13 years old. So I was crying my eyes like, I, I and hate this sport. Like I don't have an out. And, um, yeah. I real, and I, you know, I came by the end of that hour after I got over feeling sorry for myself, I came to the understanding, like what an opportunity you have and how much talent you have wasting it and dropping out is just not an option. And mm -hmm. so from that point, that was kind of like a point of commitment. And from there, you know, whether I enjoyed it or not, it was something that I knew I had to do and pursue because of the, opportunities it would be able to open up down the line. I was always quite forward thinking even from that uh, age when it came to away from, you know, when it came to winning matches, I was very in the moment. Like I would right. sacrifice my future to win. I didn't want to lose now. But mm -hmm. when I came on the outside, I was quite forward long-term thinking in that, in that understanding the opportunities that can come about being a great tennis player. I like know. that. No, it's just cause I mean, it's just crazy because I mean, in tennis, it's such a, it's such an individual sport, but I think because it's an individual sport, it just, the, the amount of not even only like physically draining, right. but I think mentally it's like all the pressure, everything is on you. Right. You know, if you, if you mess up or you make an error, you can't point yeah. to your teammate and be like, Hey man, come on. You know, it's your fault. It's like, mm. everything's on you. Right. So, I mean, right. even competing at the level that you competed at 
from, you know, since you were, you know, five, six years old, um, mm. how did, how did going through those, you know, experiences, for example, you know, when you said you're like, Hey, you know what, I need to take some time to myself. You had to sit alone and, and just regather your, your thoughts. Mm -hmm. How, how did you find, you know, that helped to elevate your mental toughness and, and where did you see yeah. that pay off most in your, in your life and yeah. in your game? You know, I, I, you know, the main thing is you see a lot of great tennis players. They just get so burnt out and they're stars. I mean, they're childhood prodigies and, and mm -hmm. they, and they just burn out. And yeah. And, and, and the second they get the option where they're, we can't handle this. This is too much. It's like they quit, you know, by six. And it's like, what, a what, how much talent did you have? And for mm -hmm. me, that moment was a moment of, you're going to have some shitty days and you're going to feel burnt out and you're going to suffer. And, and I literally, I was so scared of losing. Like mm. I think when I, when I jumped into the sport, I never really had a uh, grooving process. Like it's not like Michael Jordan. It's not like a Michael Jordan story where he was terrible. And then he became the superstar for me. It was like, you're in the deep end. Everybody I had to play Brady. Yeah. I felt like I had to beat. And, and because my whole label was tennis boy, Mm -hmm. It felt as if, um, if I were to lose, I would lose my whole identity. And so wow. I lived through, yeah. So that juniors, you know, it was like, if you're two in the country and you're playing in the country, literally everybody, except for one guy you play, you're expected to beat. And if right. I lost, I, it was like a major self-esteem. So I di actually didn't lose too many, uh, to underdogs, but there were about two or three. Um, I was in the finals of Canadian nationals uh under 14 and i ended up losing that one that was a real hit for me um and i just i i was i you was like you were i was a 14 year old literally in depression after the loss and that's wow. very intense and so what happened was that point of commitment was like you're gonna have the burnout you're gonna have the shit days but you're in this for good there's no excuse there's no out in many ways that was quite helpful by the time i got to 16 i'd become the youngest uh canadian professional uh in singles and doubles i was uh and, and that was a great accomplishment for me it opened up a lot of doors but because mm -hmm. i got because when the when the tough days were going to come i said that quitting or using an out is just not an excuse it really propelled me in that standpoint so it was a it, that commitment was an extra edge where there's no out there's no escaping from your matches like you're in this and there's no mm -hmm. excuse you got to come through um in that sense no, hundred percent. I like, uh, you know, I like that. And just the, just, yeah, the amount of pressure is, is just insane. Even with when it came to losses. So you, so you're saying how, you know, you would lose a match, you'd almost go into depression. So, yeah. so obviously, you know, I mean, you, you're, you know, losses are going to happen regardless of whatever sport you're in right. or whatever venture you, you go into. So how, so as you, you know, you know, just, I guess lost more or not, or just had more losses on your resume as you played mm. more games. How did mm. you deal with those losses instead of all, all of a sudden, like, yeah. you know, going into depression every time you, yeah. you lose, you know? Yeah. It's a, it's a great question. And it's, and it's part of becoming a more mature competitor. When mm. I was in juniors, I really didn't lose that much. So I wasn't exposed to that. I've heard stories of them sending some of the best players in the world to play really tough competitions all year round, just to learn how to lose. In college, wow. I didn't lose so much either, but and when I did lose, it was a real hit in the NCAA. And then what happens is when you go on the pro tour, mm -hmm. um, you have to get used to losing. I mean, it's just it's too tough to win every single week. And, and at that point, I think exposure to like, and that's where you can't be afraid to lose and you have, you can't be, 
you have to get exposed to losing because, mm-hmm. you know, obviously you get more, you get, you can bounce back quicker. Like, you know, uh, you need to be able to bounce quack, bounce back quick on the pro tour. And so what needs to happen is you've got to lose and get tougher, smarter, wiser, stronger. You can't lose and get discouraged. And you've got to understand that the more you lose, if you can respond the right way, you're actually closer to your goal. Like losing is actually going to get you closer to your goal. Like if you get away with winning, you don't make that much changes. It's not that Mm. in your face, but losing can be a really good thing if you respond the right way to make changes the right way. Um, And so to answer your question, as I wanted to express and move up levels, I had to get used to losing more and more and more. And I would, and, and I had to take a more mature approach that was a mature junior mentality yeah. of me, you know. Um, but in a lot of ways, it made me really fight hard for every match and not give up. I mean, I was—you would never see me uh, lose a match because of not trying or effort or focus. Mm. Or when I was locked in, there was so much on the line for me. So that was great. And then, to, but then to learn that if you want to move up in levels, you want to be one of the best in the world. You got to get used to losing in the beginning and how to bounce back quick because there's a there's an event every week in in a different country. So you've got to bounce back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. And I mean, even in anything like that bounce back, um, can apply to right. any, any setback, which is, which is so important. Mm-hmm. It's funny because, you know, um, you know, doing, I, I did a little bit of research, uh, just on the, more so on the, on the tennis side of, of your career. Cause I yeah. just wanted to get more, um, knowledge right. on that. And I was, I was just watching a couple of your matches that were on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah. think you're playing like the, the number one, uh, player, um, uh, in the country at the time, I, f- I forget mm-hmm. his name, but he he was uh, yeah. from I uh, played out of Ohio, and yeah. one thing that I noticed is you mentioned like you're you know you're locked in your focus, but I could see just after the reactions, you know, you would have you you get a point on them, or you know mm-hmm. you'd even let's say you'd get a point on you, you stayed focused, but at the same time you were I could tell you were passionate and you were you were just locked in. So right. um, going from your I guess you could say you know the high school level to the collegiate level and then to the pro level what are some things uh besides obviously the difference in skill that internally mm-hmm. you you notice uh developed inside yourself to re- yeah. you were like oh wow you know what when i'm playing matches you know maybe you know my focus was a little off but now it's like you know i'm locked in and and the full mm-hmm. uh you know time in the match you know no one's nothing's uh taking away my attention yeah i think from you know that every step was so different and gave me unique skills that i had to form together and 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 that's where i actually built the the blueprint for our company um Mm. off of this um you know i think as a junior because i you know i could your opponents were still making mistakes you know they i was really uh tough and competitive and that was the base of my foundation that was what was so important um, as a junior to build a base of competitiveness and toughness. And mm-hmm. then what happened was when I went to the NCAA, uh, you very much you, there's a there's an immense amount of pressure when you're playing for the team and the match comes to you on the line. And so I felt like the next piece of the puzzle was courage and and pretty much being able to do the right things uh, rather than doing what feels good. And that's in life, right? Mm-hmm. You don't you shouldn't do what feels good. I mean, it feels good to probably you know, uh, go out or whatnot, but maybe you've got to put your head to the grind and work and that's the Mm -hmm. right thing to do. So do the right thing, even when you don't feel like it. Um, and then when you go on the pro tour, that was really the third, um, uh, area where maturity came in. I think you've got to be so mature on the pro tour, just living in a different country, uh, going week after week, learning to lose, uh, 
you know, then, you know, being a man about it, uh, yeah. which is really, you know, so I think those were the three skills in each category that really came together. Okay. Yeah. No, 100%. I like that. So I think yeah. another theme, um, you know, it, it, perspective to your career that I've noticed is yeah. the theme of resilience, because, you know, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, in your career, you've had a lot of ups and downs, uh, especially when it came comes to injury. I know you've dealt with a lot of injuries that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you've had to take a lot of time off for. So just from a general sense, what does the word resilience just mean to you? Mm-hmm. Resilience means uh, to me, basically, no matter what comes your way, no matter what adversity comes your way, you take it, you accept it, and then you make the next uh, best move. And, and for me, that was always uh, something that would be really important. I could never uh, accept sitting still, even when there is mm-hmm. a, a, you know, something that has blocked me. And so look, the pandemic happened, I created mission, you know, I brought mission elite to fruition on court. Uh, I got I, I was supposed to go on a tour to Israel after I turned pro out Indiana four wrist tears uh obviously my hips were acting up i said i'm gonna go and get into the ncaa coaching build build something there build a name there if i can um obviously uh when i was you know a junior going into the reason why i went to the ncaa is because so i mentioned earlier like by 16 i was on the pro tour with rank with hp ranking points and Mm -hmm. about two months later i was supposed to play for uh you know a, a national championship and i went to the doctor i was feeling some pains and the okay. doctor goes uh they did a mri of my hips and they go you basically have five years left to play um oh you're gonna need and, and then you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna need either uh you can either do bilateral hip surgery now which would take two years off your career or you've mm-hmm. probably got about five years left to play and um that was my Okay, so I go, well, I'm not going to take two years off. Um, you don't know what type of player you're going to be. So I'm going to go to the NCAA. I'm going to have, you know, I'm going to secure a degree and I'm going to mm-hmm. try to be the best, uh, one of the best college players in the country there. And I use that opportunity to play pro tennis on the side. Like whenever we were in, in season in NCAA, I was playing pro tennis. And so it was like, there was, okay. I, I don't, resilience to me was just not, not accepting sitting still, finding the next best thing to do at all times. Mm-hmm. No, I like that. Yeah. Wow. That's, I mean, just, I, I mean, I, I, I cry when I, when I stub my toe to, to go through like, you know, like the, the, the tears and everything I, I can't imagine, but, but you know what, that's uh, I mean, that's just a good example, a hundred percent of resiliency right there. I, I know you mentioned, uh, you talked about your uh, briefly about your coaching um, you know, uh, gig at the university yeah. of Oklahoma. So how did that mm-hmm. um, experience, I guess, uh, I guess rejuvenate your passion and your love for the game because I can imagine mm-hmm. at that point all these injuries it's frustrating and and maybe uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth but maybe some of the passion kind of dwindled a little bit or yeah, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. so how did how did you just rejuvenate your love for the game right and I, I think one of the reasons why I went into NCAA coaching is I was I was feeling like I'm just sitting still I mean my body is mm. just not getting better at the rate that I wanted. And by this point I was, you know, I never put when the doc said I had five years left, I never really internalized that, put that in my head. I thought, no, I'm going to play, you know, I got 10 years left and, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, at least right. And, and I, you know, it's just meant like, you know, I was a little bit off. I was like, it's just meant like, doc saying what the doc's <laughs> yeah. supposed to say, but that's bullshit. Right. Yeah. exactly. Uh, what does a doc know? He hasn't played. Now, what do they so, know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What, what is it? What is it? You got a PhD before your name. What does that mean? No, yeah. um, but um, I had said, um, 
you know, I don't want to sit still. And I knew I wanted to get into college coaching at that point. I loved playing in the NCAA. I loved mm -hmm. the team atmosphere. I loved everything about the, the, you know, the authenticity behind that league. And I knew, so I went to Michigan when I, when my body started feeling a bit better, I went to Michigan actually um, at that point for about, you know, a couple of weeks, three weeks, a month. And uh, I said, I, that was my, okay. Then I got an opportunity at Oklahoma mm -hmm. and I said, I want to take that. And because I could use the year to really work on my body, to let it heal, but I yeah. could still build on my career, my life, you know, and, and I knew I wanted to get down this path. And I went to Oklahoma and I probably played, you know, in all honesty, I probably played five, six times that whole year. Mm. Um, but I was studying, I was obsessed with the team coming through and I was studying obsessively i mean i was in oklahoma i didn't know anyone nothing else to do but uh, and we had obviously a, a very you know rigorous uh, schedule mm -hmm. and i spent every spare second in some capacity learning and studying the game and what happened was by the end of the year i realized i didn't actually lose that much rhythm or touch i'm going to okay. go back on the pro tour and give it what i got and see what i got left and and what I realized is I was playing better because I had studied the game so hard. I was so much smarter, like, like from a disciplined strategic standpoint, I was playing quite to the T and, and I basically came out and went 34 and four, uh, mm -hmm. won four pro titles in like three, four months. And it was, uh, it was amazing. And so when, when the pandemic happened, mission elite had not started on court, but at that point I was convinced I was certain that you can still get better even during a pandemic and okay and i was like and, and and you know the sick twisted part of me was like everybody else is going to be like oh we're shut down we're shut down we can't do we can't do anything my yeah. part was I, I know that when i went to oklahoma i didn't play all year and i got so much better that mm. anybody associated with me myself we're going to get better during this time and we're going to come out and be better and everybody will be discouraged and disappointed and, and use it as an excuse like oh we haven't played in a year but I know you can get better without Pioneer. So there was mm -hmm. the opportunity when the pandemic happened, you know, you'd think, oh my God, my career is up. No, but for me, it was like, oh my God, this is your chance to really gain edge. And so, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. you know. It almost like opened up a whole new pathway and lane laneway for you that you didn't even know was even possible, right. which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so that's the man. That's a that's a perfect segue to get talking about your new venture, Mission Elite. So, um, yeah. you know, because at that at that time, right? You, I guess it was early stages of Mission Elite. The vision was just forming. So, I mean, right. you're already a coach at Oklahoma. So, because you could have mm -hmm. easily have just been like, hey, you know what? I you know I just want to continue coaching. I just want to be, uh, you know, kind of go down that path. So what? Made Made you kind of put a pause on that and then really try and chase your vision for mission elite and you know bring it to where it is today mm -hmm. well you're right so after so i left oklahoma i went on the pro tour and um i was pretty much about six months in and i was really peaking and priming and then mm. the pandemic happened uh after that tour but i was also when at, wh wh whatever country i was in i was building and in keeping that college uh, coaching in my in the back of my mind okay recruiting pipelines right recruiting right. such a big part of ncaa mm -hmm. so you're right in and when i came back um uh f from that tour in india there like i said mm -hmm. i sat down and i still had mission leap going in, in some capacity and and i said this is the time uh to go hard on what i can do off court with mission elite Mm -hmm. And then as soon as the, you know, the tennis court started to open up in, 
in June, July, and I and I saw okay, missionally, um, we're gonna bring it on court. The company is gonna expand, and and I'm gonna try to see how I can help the best players in the country uh, come into one setting in a in a in a you know there was a problem, and I wanted to put the solution into place and help all the best athletes in the country uh, come together in an environment that they enjoy coming in, mm-hmm. and they have enough support. Uh, in a in a very uh, culture strong type of way that they're better off with us right. here, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the support team, I want to try to help them and guide and, and give them uh, a support structure that really helps them take off that wouldn't have existed without the pandemic. But now that's coming to fruition, and and not only that, it's something that I feel they're pr- they're proud to be a part of. It's almost exclusive and premium, okay. and with that, the standards are so high that you only have people that can really pull you up and sharpen you forward. Mm-hmm. But then also it gives you a sense of confidence and pride to be a part of mission elite because it is so exclusive and premium and, and you just don't accept, you know, the random, uh, you know, run of the mill Joe, you, you bring in the best in the country in the one setting, but they've got to be the right people and and you know, they're going to get better like that. Um, but then also it's something that they can be really proud of and know that we have a team of support behind our backs um, in a very, in, like you said, an individual sport. So it's unique in that way. And it all came together as soon as the, the first court opened up, you know, so nice. for as soon as that first court uh, opened up, you were, you were like, hallelujah, finally we're off, we're yeah. off to the races. Yeah. Like, let's go. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Let's do it. Um, I like that because, you know, uh, at least from when we've been talking, you, I mean, and you, you know, you've been telling me a lot about, you know, your new venture and what you want to do with it. It's always been a focus on what I like is, okay, these are elite level athletes. They're obviously mm-hmm. talented, but what I think separates you guys is you also take into account, okay, I don't want to just develop an elite athlete. I want to develop an elite human being and a delete someone who has elite character. So if you want to just talk about why, I guess for you guys and the staff here at admission elite, that is such an important mission. Yeah. That is the first uh, entry to the gateway. Um, Mm -hmm. It is so important to me because well, first from a, from a development standpoint, the best athletes in the world, okay, so take LeBron James, uh, take Roger Federer, uh, take Tom Brady. Um, these guys, they don't have that much off-court issues. Their character is very strong. Their decision-making off the court is very strong. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're good people first. And what happens is that aids in, their long, in the longevity of their career. Now take Tiger Woods, take Allen Iverson, um, people that have made – off-court decisions had culture uh, had character flaws and mm-hmm. look at how when tiger cheated it affected his career look at how when alan got into that uh, trouble at the bowling alley you know it affected his career and so mm-hmm. from a, from a te- from an actual getting better standpoint if you're li- if you're a cult if you're a character strong uh moral high person the chances of your of your of you reaching your personal potential becomes quite high you know whatever level that may be and so that's that's from that but obviously the second thing is i just don't want to be around an asshole i don't think we want to be around an asshole you know yeah um and i don't and i don't see my our guys coming in to an environment wanting uh, being wanting to be around somebody that they just don't like i mean we mm. i wanted to create an environment where even on their worst days they feel like coming in to get better and I just don't see them wanting to do that when they go, I got to go to the practice and see this, right. this dickhead, you know, I want, yeah, you know, exactly. I, I want, I want to go to practice and be around my 
like people I like, people that I can banter with, people I can that push me in a positive way um, as a as a person and as a player. And so, um, care and, and and to be frank, uh, basically. If I'm gonna, if we're gonna help you in any capacity, we have to like you first. I think that's when the most mm. genuine, authentic results come to fruition. So, no, that's you know. key. Now, okay, so you know the character and the elite they go hand in hand. So when you're, mm-hmm. you know, I guess recruiting athletes to come and train with you, what's that yeah. screening process like? How do you guys evaluate the player? So you know, you're not just looking at the talent, but they'll have the intangibles yeah. that you know make them want to mm-hmm. train, uh, you know, all together. Right. Um, so it starts with this, you know, if, if, if I've got you on my eye and I know that we can really help you and I, and we want to help you, well, then mm-hmm. I would invite you. Um, okay. but if you're, but if I don't invite you, then I always welcome people to basically, uh, ask an interview to be a part of this and then I can make mm-hmm. a decision. So some of our guys I've invited, some of our guys I've, uh, have come to me. Most of our guys have come to, to me basically. Um, but then there's, you know, a special few, um, from the beginning that I just knew I wanted them to be a part of this. And, and they were obviously able to really knock off all the categories at the highest level. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the first step. And then of course, uh, for to get invited or, you know, to be accepted. Well, okay. So the first trait, like you knocked it, you nailed it on the head. They've got to have high character. They've got to be people that we, we like, and we actually would be like, yeah, we'd go to dinner with him. Uh, right, we could yeah, see him yeah, in yeah. a team setting. Um, and then number two, you've got to meet the minimum requirements from elite results. And, and that's quite okay. difficult. I mean, you've got to be a national champion. You've got to be, uh, or you've got to be professionally ranked, uh, yeah. or you've got to be NCAA, one of the best players in, in the NCAA. And so that's quite tough. But what happens is when you're that selective with the type of people um, they have these qualities that you can really pinpoint, grab out and sharpen each other with. Um, but all three together, the high character elite minded and then a focus and a mission focus comes just to make a, an incredible environment and team. Uh, because even the training partners are a team, uh, mm. of course, you know, so, uh, that's how it goes. You've got to meet those requirements hundred percent. And, and there's, and, and if anything, Brady, like as time goes on and as time mm-hmm. has gone on, those requirements have been pushed up. Mm, so now okay. like, well, that's the way you evolve, right? We, I, I, if I, I can't, we can't just stay at grand zero. This is the starting right. point. That's tough starting point. But like, if you think that's tough, you know, see <laughs> wait till you got all the way up here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> only, fa- only Roger Federer allowed. No, I'm but of yeah. course I really have come to love the guys that have come in and, and and I'm so bought into them. And if you're, and if they're still a part of it, it means uh, that we're, we're really, uh, we really believe in you. And, and so, um, you know, we know that, you know, no progress is just a straight line. There's going to be some really rough days. There's going to be some rough moments, but we believe in you. You're still here. Mm-hmm. Then of course, you know, that's the way it is. So I believe in all our current guys, of course, you know, and, and girls and, and uh, as long as they're doing the right things, I'm, I'm going to continue to, we're going to continue to believe in them. So no, hundred percent. No, I, I totally agree yeah. with that. And just, you know, a few notable athletes that, you know, you're training right now um, is yeah. Jada Bowie, Braden Schur, mm-hmm. Alex Donsky. So, I mean, not just to focus on them, but you know, all the athletes you train, like you said, are national champions. There's a, there's a certain um, requirement. So I guess from a training program design perspective, how do you like, mm-hmm. is everything, you know, do you tailor your training programs like mm-hmm. to each individual athlete? Is it more general? Like what's the style? Like mm-hmm. if I'm an athlete and, and you know, 
know, I'm, you're, I'm being trained by you. Absolutely. Uh, tailored to the T when it comes to individual setting, um, and to the T and, and when it comes to the team setting, it's more of, this is the competitive environment, go okay. and solve your own problem. We're going to mm. help you. We're going to put it together. But, 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 you know, part of it is like, you've got to be able to solve your own problem. So when we, when I do individuals, uh, when we do individuals with these guys, it's very, okay, you were tailored to you. And of course, everything off court is very tailored to them. But when okay. I guess, as soon as we get into the team setting, we're lucky and fortunate to have the right guys that have bought into, it's not about us. It's about mm. the team. It's about the environment. And I've got to learn to make the best out of this team environment. Um, and, and, and so that's a very critical and important part to uh, development in my, in my mindset is learning to basically, like you, we've talked about earlier, is get the cards, here's the cards, here's the team, and make the most out of it. Try to squeeze every ounce of juice within it um, mm -hmm. so that you're not always being spoon-fed and, and, and basically uh, you can learn to create solutions for yourself. Um, but of course, there are always moments and times in the team environment where I do tailor even inside there if necessary um, um, and it doesn't affect anybody else uh, uh, in, in any way and it never seems to we have the right people in, in place and so um, we just made a basically a eight week plan for Braden um, who will get okay. ready um, and, and it's to the T I mean every day every week is to the T you know what what the day is going to look like the week's going to look like uh, as a as a lifestyle as as tennis as overall conditioning um, and then obviously we can adjust as needed but we but yeah it's 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 very uh, exact I mean okay. we've got when you like only, very yeah. precise down precise. to the T okay okay exactly a hundred percent. No, I like that. I mean, um, yeah. you know, if you don't prepare, you, you know, you prepare to fail, you know what I mean? So right. having that preparation right. and, you know, and I mean, it personally, I mean, if I was an athlete and, you know, I see the, you know, yourself or, you know, your people on your staff, you know, taking mm. care in the, in the tiny details, it, it makes mm. me be like, okay, you know what, all yeah. I need to focus on is I'm, I'm in the right place and I'm, and I'm here with the right people and they, they care, they, they give two shits and they, you know, yes. they want me to develop uh, into the best player I can be. Right. So, yeah. Um, absolutely yeah 100 very very yeah very uh ocd about every little thing I, I sometimes i try to hold back you know i'd like yeah so it's uh i i'm i'm really they're really helping me uh get better as a person and a mm -hmm. and a manager as well uh, you know so it's great it's a win-win that's good I like that. Yeah. Um, so you spoke about earlier about it not just being uh, on-court training, but a whole lifestyle. So who are some of the people and some of the disciplines in terms of staffing that you have that are available to these athletes when they when they come to you? Okay, that's a great question. I mean, so first off, um, here's, here's an extreme one. Um, we've got a guy that's uh, basically wealth management uh, specific for that. His name's Bo, uh, Bo Gibbs. He runs uh, Gibbs financial group. And so if the guy, if the are, you know, obviously they're pro athletes, so they're having to learn how to manage and budget and uh, you know, take care of their finances. Um, he, he's always ready and available to help them as a mm. business consultant. That's going to help them pursue their off court endeavors. Um, from a business standpoint, obviously, then we have, of course, the, you know, quite the typical necessities, you know, director of 
yoga, nutritionist, uh, fitness uh, support, uh, mental performance support. Um, and then, of course, there's then there's equipment. So I've got a good we've lined up uh, equipment people in place to be able to help them, you know, from the details, the little details. And, 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 and now when it comes to the support team, they've got elite requirements as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you're going to help the best in the country and some of the best in the world, well, then you've got to operate at a level that's high and efficient enough to be able to help them and give them something that they can't get anywhere else. And so mm-hmm. um, it really, the coaching, the coaching requirements are quite intense as well. Um, just because, it, you know, it's basically, it's a whole, you know, every individual matters uh, within the company and within the culture. It's got to be so strong and so uh, forward pushing. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, a lot of different uh, areas, uh, even have tutors for some of the younger ones uh, oh, that wow, are still okay. in school available uh, or in the NCAA, right? Because some of them are in the NCAA. So if they ever needed right. tutor help and whatnot. Now, I know a lot of their teams do help them, but I want to be there for them just in case they don't or they need more at all times. So, mm-hmm. It's always there, you know. That's good. Yeah, and I and I like that, right? I mean, uh, you know, most 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 companies wouldn't have that tutor option available, but you know, from mm-hmm. my from my point of view, it's like you're thinking of every. Well, you have personal experience in the situation, so I can imagine you're probably like, okay, you know what? When I when I was in NCAA or when I'm playing, what do I need? And then you take that into consideration, and then obviously mm-hmm. you know, ten x ten exit like you've been doing, which is which is amazing. Right. Um, right. So uh, in terms of your day-to-day stuff, uh, you know, as the CEO, kind of the leader of the organization, what, you know, what's your role and how do you kind of fit into the, uh, the puzzle? Well, of course, I'm actually still technically on tour as well, but, okay. but my priority, especially during the pandemic, is to overlook everything. So I put the whole structure and everything together and then how to manage uh, every individual to operate at that high level within it and so of course i'm overlooking and managing uh all our elite team uh, making sure they're on track and they're leading towards success um i really genuinely care and i guess my priority would be making sure that they're on the pathway to success the elite individuals but then um within the elite team but then i'm also then my next priority is making sure that the support team around them at all times is operating at a high level in, 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 in basically strong coordination to be able to help uh, all our elite. So the, it's all about the elite team players. It's all about mm-hmm. them. Um, and so managing, I'm overlooking everything in place to help them uh, have that success. And of course, I'm then I'm looking at the finances. I'm looking at the business as a whole. Um, so I've had to really burst myself on how to run a company. And every day I'm learning so much. Obviously, you know how it is, right? Of course. Yeah, every yeah, day yeah. you're learning so much about, oh, okay, so, uh, you know, you've got to get really competent and smart. And, and, yeah. And it's such a exciting up and down journey. But uh and just when you think you got it, something else comes along, some problem comes along and you got to oh, solve it. So <laughs> basically it's tough to overlook so many people. And that's mm-hmm. what's really tough is the phone doesn't stop. It's always somebody, right? And, and you've got to, yeah, it's just managing so many people is a challenge, but it's also, 
uh it's like a game as you know it's you know you, you gotta win you gotta win so exactly no and i think honestly that's that's what the that's where the fun of it is it's like you know it's a game that you know as you as you get further along in the game you're constantly learning new things and it just makes it more yeah. enjoyable right. and fun it's crazy because it's like even now like now it's just like it's it's hard for me to like just put my head down on the on the pillow and shut my mind right. off because my like yeah. my mind is constantly going like oh i gotta right. do this or did i do that or oh, what this strategy here and it's like oh my, it's overwhelming sometimes but hey yes. you know what like that Too just much. that just shows that you know you care and we're invested <laughs> you know yeah. so 100%. it shows you're in alignment with what you're supposed to be doing if exactly you, if yeah. you work seven days a week 24 hours a day and you don't feel like you need a day off it shows you're in alignment but damn it's yeah it gets exhausted <laughs> you know? no 100 percent um so kind of just to end off a little bit here uh in terms of talking about mission elite what yes. i know you guys are you know this is relatively new but just looking a little bit towards the future, what's the end goal for you guys? And what, when everything's said and done, you know, what would you as an owner, CEO, like to have accomplished and would like people to say about your company at the end of the day? Mm -hmm. Well, first and foremost, I want them to say this is the best team cultured environment for professional and elite players in the world. I mean, that's mm. the end goal. Um, I want them to say we, we are the place to go and, and we have the right people to really develop you as a person and a player. And it's when you think of the first, well, the first place you think of when in your head, when it comes to that, it's mm -hmm. mission elite. Um, and, and then we can really filter more and more elite, you know, like the level of it becomes just so high. I mean, it's just, you can really, uh, you know, obviously give to the, to the best players in the world, but not best players, best people and players in the world, something that can't be given anywhere else. We have a system in place um, to basically drive uh, personal and obviously, you know, career results. It's the, it's the first place that comes in your mind. Second off, um, you know, if we basically use it to be able to impact as many people as possible, that's mm -hmm. the end goal is so like, yes, we can help the elite players and we, are going to bring them to success. I want, we want elite results, obviously. Um, and then to have those achievements be fulfilled in those areas, have the support, the guidance, the structure, the feedback, all to be able to achieve, uh, their individual. And then as our, uh, team goals. Okay. okay. Um, but then use that to be able to impact basically anybody that wants to pursue and, and has these qualities, uh, around the world. And so then it's like, okay, uh, how we can use this, we can impact. And that's where a lot of off court stuff and online uh, comes in place so that we can impact people all around the world. I have different, uh, you know, I want to get to the point where we can basically uh, make a difference than more than just tennis. So okay, wow. I, I have, you know, visions in my mind where we really can help charitable causes, help people mm. um, show that you know, one of the really things that stick with me is that, and I learned this on tour a little bit, is that who cares how good of a, uh, how good you are at your skill if you're just an asshole. I mean, like what yeah. matters is who you are as a person, like, and it's, it's for yourself. Like, you know, Brady, like what I was saying is I had so much self-esteem wrapped up in me as a tennis player that mm -hmm. if I were to go, if I were to lose back then, you know, I, I just wouldn't be able to look at myself. Like, what am I? Right. And so uh, when you can get to the point where you can go and look yourself in the mirror and say, I could be the worst at anything. Like I could, mm -hmm. what happens if I were to lose my arm? Right. I need mm -hmm. to be able to look myself in the mirror. Like, damn, I'm just so proud of me as a person. And I want everybody to experience that. I want these players who I know 
have a lot of their identity wrapped up in their tennis or their skills, whatever that is. And it could be in any area, sport, you know, life, business, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then say, if we were to lose all that, we could still go home at the end of the night, look ourselves in the mirror and be damn proud of who we are as people. Um, and I want to share that message and I want to try to educate and inspire people to achieve that as their primary, you know, before you uh, take pride in, in all your skills, take pride in who you are as a person. And then, you know, now you're somebody that really has a positive impact on anybody. It's contagious. Yeah. You can impact your family. You know, you're somebody that people just not only want to be around, but somebody that people get better being around. Uh, I don't care if it's business, tennis, uh, music, whatever, you know, uh, any area. So there's a really lot of area for growth, but that's the ultimate goal is to make people better people that help uh, the world as a whole. So No, I, I love that. And that's, I feel like uh, just as a, not even for company culture's sake, but just as a whole, as a mission, that's, I feel like that's something that's, 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 that's so powerful because it's like, you're not serving yourself. You're in the service of others, which I think is, is just a thousand times, you know, more fulfilling at the end of the day. Um, I right. know one thing else I want to bring back to, I know we talked a little about earlier, um, obviously with yourself being the, the founder and kind of the leader of the organization. Um, how important is it to you to really lead and not just, not just talk the talk, but walk the walk so that, um, you know, your athletes, your staff, they're being like, okay, you know what, Raheel, he's the leader. He's not just someone who just talks. I can actually see him. You know, he's everything he says to those athletes or everything he says to us, he's already done it. Or if not, is willing to do at the, you know, the same quality, uh, as, mm. as, uh, the organization demands. It's so important. Um, yes, I overlook everything and yes, I get to ultimately say what goes on, mm-hmm. but whoever's suffering the most in terms of even a drill or an exercise, I want them to know that if I ask them to go do a 5.30, you know, AM track run for two hours, that I would be there with them. Like, yeah. you know, I, w- when, when these guys have to run 17s, uh, I want them to know, and, and, and I make sure that they know that I'm gonna run that with them. Uh, okay. That, at, you know, when they gotta do these contests, these physical, grueling, mental contests, I want to be in there with them. I think that's so important in leadership that you don't ask anybody something to do something that you wouldn't yourself do. Mm-hmm. And so whenever I do ask, I actually have a lot of confidence saying it because I know I've probably done it before. And I know you can do that. No, it's stop it's whining, hard. stop yeah, complaining. Yeah. <laughs> I've done that probably tenfold, you know? And so then I go and I go, okay, you know, like a lot of times I'll go, okay, you guys, you want you think that's tough? Okay, I'm gonna fucking get in there with you. you know? Right, right. Love, watch how it's done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, like we're gonna suffer together, and I think yeah. that's so important that uh, whoever's overlooking a company or whatnot is willing to suffer from the, you know, from the with what they're trying to accomplish with whoever it is. That no job is too uh, uh, too small for you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I really think that's so important with leadership. I I was fortunate enough at Indiana to be under a head coach that was really willing to get in there and, and, and suffer with me. And, and when you see, when you see the lead, like when you see the guy who controls the flow of everything, get in there and probably maybe, and I try to suffer more than them often. Like I, uh, I try to, okay. suffer. then it's like, okay, there's that buy-ins easier because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, well, yeah. But you, do, yeah. That, and one of the requirements for the staff is that they're willing to do everything they ask uh, of, of the, of the okay. players of, you know, I think that's just, I think that's everything. 
So I like that. Oh, that's awesome. Um, now just, I guess for you on a personal level, who is either a leader in your life? Doesn't have to be an athlete or celebrity, just, you know, could be whoever, um, that someone mm. is, you know, that you look to as guidance, or if you're struggling, need advice on something, who's that leader in your life that you go to? I have, I, I've been so fortunate to have a couple, um, you know, obviously, you know, there's my father. Um, but then there's also, uh, you know, NCAA had such an impact on my life. I think, you know, coach crawl from the university of Oklahoma, he, he, he was, he's a head coach up there. He's somebody I always come to when we have, uh, when I have a problem that maybe I can't always go inside the company with, he gives me great advice. I mean, when you're, when you're running a team in the NCAA, you're, you're basically like a CEO of the team. And so mm-hmm. you're managing the players, the scholarships, the, uh, culture and, and, there's so much criticism with every move you make. And so, and then of course at Indiana, the head coach, coach Wurtzman is also, I'm very close with them. So those two guys have, have huge impacts on my life. They're absolute go-tos for me. Um, and they have experience and I can really relate to them, um, because of how competitive they are. But mm-hmm. then of course, uh, their experience managing an, an organization within itself. Um, you know, every day you step up the ladder, you're going to have like, I just can, I, I, there's criticism with everything you do and, and how do you manage that? I, I haven't been one that gets too phased by that because I know there's, okay. you know, there, but it is something to manage because you never want to doubt your decisions because no matter what you do, somebody's going to be pissed and somebody's going to be happy. That's true, um, yeah. And so it's just like, ultimately, you know, they, they give me great guidance in that. How do you manage, uh, you know, employees? How do you manage uh, whole organist how do you manage even you know uh basically setting up the team practice everything how do you manage all that how do you manage the clients mm-hmm. all that they're go-tos for me um but one of the you know the, the first things one of the lessons that they expect you know they impose the most on me uh in my position right now is trust your gut because there's always going to be somebody that has something bad to say but trust your gut and go do that that you that's when you're most uh, your your most authentic self that's when the team can benefit the most that's when the company can ben- benefit the most and so you know no doubt <laughs> no 100% i i like that no that's all that's all good uh uh, good, good messaging and, and good things to consider, um, especially from people who are, you know, important people in your life and that, and, you know, want to see you watch you succeed and, and be along there right. for the, for the journey. Yes. So for people who want to learn more about you, they want to, you know, learn more about mission elite, uh, maybe even, you know, uh, participate in the program and the team that you have mm-hmm. there. Um, mm-hmm. where's the best place for them to find you out online? Yeah, absolutely. So we have, uh, our Facebook group, which is called Mission Elite Performance. And then, of course, our Instagram, that's also called Mission Elite Performance, all one word together. Um, And right now we're currently, with the demand, uh, we're building the website right now. But the reason why it's held off is because I want to make sure sure it was done right. Everything was Mm. done to the T. Um, So that will be up too. That's going to be missionelitetennis.com. And so... We're going to put that all together um those are but for now you know instagram is probably the most popular one we also have the tip twitter handle mission underscore elite um but yeah it's uh the go-to place i'd say for, is the instagram that's where we're most active that's where we're really making a, an impact on and that's mission elite performance um so yeah check it out 
Awesome. Yeah. And just for ease of access for you guys, uh, if you wanted to go check out all those channels that Rahil just mentioned, I'll make sure to leave that in the description box. So if you want to just click that now, go down there, you can browse um, all those channels he just mentioned and, uh, you know, easy access for you. So you don't got to go search in the web. Um, So lastly, I want to end off with a little rapid fire question round, just kind of something lighthearted and fun. Let the audience know a little bit more about you. Um, You ready to go? Okay. Absolutely. So if you could play against any tennis player, dead or alive, who would it be? Jimmy Connors. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, Do you have a favorite uh, brand of shoe? Right now, I think it's, uh, oof, that's a tough one. Lacoste, maybe. Lacoste? Lacoste. Okay. Okay. Um, So which is your favorite type of court to play on? Hard court, clay court, grass court, or carpet court? Hard court. Yeah. Hard court? Okay. Why? Uh, I'm just grown up on it. I like it fast. I like, uh, I like to control the play. And so I'm very comfortable with it. It's what I've been around my whole uh, life. Okay. Okay. Um, lastly, if you could switch lives with any person in the world, who would it be? (laughs) I know it's a tough one. (laughs) Let me think here. If I could switch lives with anybody. No, I think I might got this. Um, you know what? Victor Frankel, he wrote the book, uh, man's search for meaning. Oh yeah, 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 I know life. who he is. Yeah, yeah, miserable life. But I wanted—I've been so curious as to the mental process uh, behind surviving such a situation. I mean, another mm. one is unbroken. I mean, yeah, I don't know if I want to live through that life, but I definitely want an insight uh, into what how they survived. Have you watched the movie Unbroken? I have. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, how do you? Where do you find the motivation and the will to live in those situations? I don't know. But even when they, they made him hold up like the plank and stuff, yeah. I'm like, I, I, yeah. my arms would give out after like the first hour, you know? Like I know. You got to be a beast. Oh, yeah. You, you literally have to be a beast. No, 100%. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, those are some great answers, guys. This concludes the interview. Raheel, really appreciate you, you know, taking the time out of your schedule. I know you're a busy guy to, you know, sit down, talk with me. Had a great time. Uh, again, guys, like I mentioned before, all of Raheel's social links, including the ones he mentioned, um, you know, with uh, Mission Elite, will be in the description box below. So I encourage you guys to reach out, connect with them. Definitely a guy who has a lot of knowledge. Uh, if you're into sports, or tennis, uh, tennis, um, you know, in particular, definitely uh, reach out to him he's got a lot of experience um, and a lot of knowledge there uh, for us if you guys like to connect us connect with us on all social platforms we'll also have all of our links down there below so you guys can just uh, go down there for for everything so yeah again guys thank you for tuning in really appreciate it and i'll catch you guys on the next episode of real talks
Hey guys, it's your host, Brady Carducci. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Real Talks. Just wanted to give a special thanks to our editor, Daniel, for editing this episode and our producer, Jesse, for creating the music. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure to rate and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. It would honestly help us out tremendously. If you would like to stay up to date on new episode releases, make sure to hit that subscribe button. You can also follow us on Instagram at Real Talk Show. Thank you, and I'll see you on the next episode of Real Talks.